It's a particular set of instructions from particular discourse of the Buddha, which is considered to be the foundational discourse for our particular meditation tradition. And it's a way of establishing or developing awareness uh, to the point where it helps us become free, become certain kind of spiritual liberation, liberation of the heart. And uh, the text is made up of 13 exercises, all towards this idea of developing awareness, attention, mindfulness. And they, these 13 exercises can be understood as a progressive path of uh, going f- uh, more deeply, using a metaphor, more deeply into uh, ourselves, into oh, the world of awareness, into what really kind of makes us operate, kind of the underlying uh, operating system or the depth of, of the heart where things are really kind of really important about what happens there and what we do and how we respond and how we live our lives. And it starts, um, the text, the first exercise, which I talked about last week, uh, is a simple meditation practice on mindfulness of breathing. And, um, and it's relatively simple. And that's, uh, simplicity is one of the hallmarks of this practice. In fact, there was a, one of uh, the early teachers in our t- particular tradition was an Indian man named Manindraji. And uh, he was uh, famous for saying that if it's not simple, it's not vipassana. And uh, so even though it's uh, 13 different exercises and it's possible to explain practice in Buddhism in increasingly complex ways, uh, the actual practice is meant to be very simple, just to be aware, to be aware of what's happening as it's happening. Um, doesn't require analysis, it doesn't require um, you know, detailed teachings to hold it up. Um, everything that you need to learn can be learned by just paying careful attention to what's happening here and now. Simple attention. And um, so it begins with uh, a simple meditation practice that you would sit down and establish yourself here in the present moment, which is probably the most, uh, one of the more challenging things to do to establish yourself here in the present moment. Uh, The idea is simple, but uh, to somehow be able to put aside the distracted mind, the mind that's caught up in preoccupations, and really be rooted here, be rooted in the present moment. Have your your whole being, your body, your mind, centered here, established here, so that uh, your mind's not wandering off or preoccupied but you feel like there's a stability here. So it says you begin by establishing yourself here. And then to help you in that process, then there's instructions of becoming aware of your breathing. Uh, It's a remarkable thing to be aware of a breath. Um, The more you can be aware of each breath, one breath after the other, the less your mind's going to be invested in your thoughts, in your preoccupations, in your feelings, and what's going on in the world. And to stop that very expensive investment, which has uh, usually poor returns, uh, is part of the task of breath meditation. You kind of just come back, just be here, just be in the present moment. Come back to this very simple thing. And um, one of the most important forms of wealth that all of us have is the ability, our ability to direct our attention someplace, to pay, give attention to something. <clears throat> 
And, uh, and you'll get much better returns on your investment if you invest your attention into your breathing than you invest it into fantasy and arguments and repeating conversations and planning for the future and justifying who's right, you're right, right? Um, all these things. So, so just very simple, come back to the, pre- to the breathing. And one of the reasons why there's such a good return on the, in the investment of the effort and time to do so is that it's a wonderful way to get out of your own way. And uh, if you have too many cooks in the kitchen, it messes up the, the dinner, they say. If there's too many cooks in your mind, uh, it messes up the mind. Uh, if you have too much going on, too many preoccupations, too much worry, too much resentment, too much fear, too much anxiety, all, all these things that go on, whirl around. And, um, and, uh, and then if we're constantly wanting, wanting things and not wanting things, wanting things to be different than they are, um, wanting to keep what's here as when they start slipping away, constantly involved in kind of manipulating, working the system, trying to make it you know, work for us, then we're uh, not, we haven't left things alone. We're not leaving ourselves alone. And it's a hard lesson to learn that the inner system, our mind, our hearts, our bodies, have a, a capacity to reach, to come to harmony, to come to kind of equilibrium, to come to balance, to come to healing, to come to uh, release and freedom, uh, to, to a remarkable degree if we get out of our own way, if we're not constantly involved in making and doing and trying to make things happen. And so one of the ways to leave ourselves alone and not kind of be kind of mucking up the water is to uh, just come back to the breathing. And every time the mind wants to do something, you come back to the breathing, come back to the breathing. And get familiar with the breathing, develop your awareness with the breath. And then as that uh, meditation practice goes along, then the idea, as I said last week, is to start becoming aware of your lived experience of your body. Keep breathing, but start to become aware of what's happening in your body. Uh, Kind of uh, wake up a certain kind of awareness in your body. What's happening in your chest? What's happening in um, in your belly, in your stomach? What's happening in your uh, face and in your head and in your arms and legs? And what are the sensations? What are the tensions? What are the joys? What are the, pl- the pleasures that come in the body as you sit here? Maybe tuning into some of the pleasure that's here. And then the instructions are that you sit, centering yourself in the present, be with your breathing, feel yourself what's happening in your body, and then relax the body. Relax the holding, the tension that might be there. And a very important part of meditation is the ability to begin relaxing, letting go, to become calmer. So that's the basic simple meditation practice that's offered in the text. And in a way, it's the only, it could be seen as the only instruction which is specifically for meditation. Um, All the rest of the instructions may or may not pertain to meditation, but can equally pertain to daily life and, um, and how we live our lives. And in fact, the second set of instructions in the text uh, is about what we do in our daily life, much, much more, I think. Um, and I'll read it for you for, in a mo- in, for you in a moment, what the instruction is. And uh, you'll see that how simple this mindfulness practice can be and how simple the instructions are. It's almost so simple that, you know, maybe you will 
won't feel it's important at all. Why, why bother doing this? This is so obvious and so nothing. And um, the, um, but sometimes the simplest exercises of practice, the simplest ways of showing up, waking up, being here, are the ones that are most effective for helping us not be distracted, not caught up in the world around us. Uh, some of us uh, maybe pride ourselves of being very sophisticated beings. And so we have a lot of important things to think about and figure out and, and to do something so rudimentary what I'm going to read to you just might not, you know, be up to your Stanford PhD or something. And um, so, um, so here, here, so this is the, uh, so come, maybe think of this coming out of meditation also. So how do you bring, continue the, the attentiveness, the centeredness, the calm of meditation into your daily life. So here, when walking, one understands, I am walking. When standing, one understands, I am standing. When sitting, one understands, I am sitting. When lying down, one understands, I am lying down. And, yet, and one understands accordingly however one's body is disposed, whatever way one's body is positioned, one understands. And um, pretty basic stuff, you know, just if you're sitting. I think all of you currently are sitting. And so if you just could recognize, take a moment to recognize you're sitting, you've succeeded <laughs> in being mindful for a moment. Now in some situations in life, um, being a, paying attention to what's going on with your posture is uh, really helpful. Um, you know, the, uh, uh, we have this wonderful expression in English about posturing. They were posturing, he was posturing or something. It, you know, it means you're kind of positioning yourself socially in relationship to other people. But it's using this word that's off, you most commonly uh, used in reference to physical posture. Because often uh, we posture ourselves socially with how we hold ourselves up. We puff our chest up, we stand up straight, we take a power pose, we do something. And, uh, and so um, uh, a lot gets expressed in our postures. Um, and the more you can be aware of the, some of the details of your posture, the more you get information about how you are emotionally, how, how you are intentionally, what you want. I saw that in my first retreat in um, Thailand. Not my first retreat, but one, one of my early retreats in Thailand, where the emphasis was a lot on being present for your body, being mindful of the body. And, um, and so I was, you know, practicing somewhat. And, but then uh, it would be, um, the bell would ru- ring for lunch. And we didn't eat much in the monastery, so lunch was a major attraction. And, but the, uh, the place for lunch was, you know, the other side of this very large monastery, through the woods we had to go, and it was kind of a monastery in the forest we had to go through. And, um, and um, I started, because I was paying more attention to my body than I usually uh, do, I noticed that... Um, that uh, as I walked to lunch, I was always in front of myself. I, you know, it was like, I was like one foot, in, two feet in front of me, my center of gravity, my attention, somehow. and I was often no- started noticing that I was leaning. You know, I was kind of like ahead of myself and because I was so focused on where I was going to get for this very important thing, the lunch. 
and then I would, uh, I would bring my attention back, straighten up a little bit, and kind of bring my kind of psychic energy or attention here in this body, and, uh, and that felt better. But then after some steps, I noticed I was again <laughs> going for that lunch and come back. So it was an indication of how I was involved. It was relatively innocent, maybe, to be interested in lunch. But, you know, I kind of lost myself and that my posture revealed that to me, how I did. Or I've been um, angry at people and kind of leaned forward a lot. And, um, and only because I noticed my posture that I finally noticed that I was angry. You'd think that uh, I would, you know, I would have noticed the anger first. But uh, the anger itself was so compelling. I was right and they were wrong and we had to kind of duke it out. Um, but when I noticed my posture, then I noticed again that I was contracted and tight in a way that was very uncomfortable. And only then did I really understand that I was being angry. Um, so there's a lot of, lot, lot can be revealed. Pay attention to your posture. Um, I've told this story a few times, but uh, it hasn't happened now for some 20 years. But uh, there was a time when... Um, it happened in a series of different people where um, I would be standing facing each other or I, I would initially you know, stand there and I'd face them and uh, maybe I'm an intimidating person but anyway I like to I kind of like to face people when I talk to them usually and, um, and the person would uh, turn around 90 degrees to me kind of look kind of like to the side like this and I thought that was kind of I didn't think about it much at first, except I wanted to face them, so I kind of turned around and went around, and, you know, to be there. And then they would do it again. And literally, I walked 360 degrees all the way around them. And what was, I think, more remarkable than that was I don't think they had a clue. They were not aware. They were so unconscious about what they were doing with their body and their relationship to me. Because people have very different attitudes about, you know, different cultures, different ways of of eye contact, of how to face people, uh, body distance between people. And so maybe we had very different kind of parameters for that or ways of being. But things were expressed, you know, and so to understand people, to understand yourself by their posture, I think is a great thing. But in terms of the simplicity of it, of it all, uh, there's something very simple about knowing that when you're standing, you're standing. And you know, it seems like it's such a simple thing to know that uh, you can kind of check that off quickly and go on to more important things. You know, you know I know I'm standing. You know, what's the, what's the big deal? But I think as a serious exercise for developing a heightened sense of awareness, a heightened connection to here in the present moment, it's not a matter of just checking off the mindfulness checkbox. It's a matter of really knowing repeatedly and fully, yes, here I am. And it's so simple. I'm standing. I'm sitting. I'm walking. This is where, this is where I am now. And it's a way of uh, grounding oneself. It's a way of interrupting the usual flow, maybe, of distracted thinking and waking up, being here. And, uh, and I found that uh, uh, a tremendous benefit from having the ability not to be lost in my thoughts not to be caught up, not to have my thinking kind of run the show. And something as simple as just knowing where you're standing and knowing that you're sitting um, is, a, is a effective because it's so simple. Uh, I, I've met people who say that mindfulness is too difficult for them. I'm standing, 
Is that difficult to realize you're standing? Um, I'm sitting. It's not really difficult. It's meant to be simple. And, uh, and this kind of, this, this little exercise here represents how simple it can be. Here, I'm standing, I'm walking, I'm sitting. It also speaks to the idea that we can bring the practice into our daily life. It's not just about sitting in meditation, but wherever we are, we can just tune in, know we're here, ground ourselves in the present moment in these simple acts of just standing, sitting, walking. Then the third exercise continues in this theme about being mindful in our daily life. And um, this is a little little bit more um, involved because our life activity is a little bit more complicated at times. And, but here the, the verb is to, uh, to clearly comprehend, to clearly recognize, to clearly know what's happening. Not just, to, not just to kind of know something general like I'm standing, but to recognize the activity we're doing, to really kind of be present in a fuller way to what's happening. And this is the description. Um, So a person who practices is a person who acts in full awareness when walking forward and coming back, walking forward and backwards. One acts in full awareness when looking ahead and looking away. One acts in full awareness when flexing and extending one's limbs. One acts in full awareness when 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 wears one's puts on one's clothes, wears one's clothes. And carry here it's for monks and nuns, and one carries one's robe and bowl. One acts in full awareness when eating, drinking, consuming food, and tasting. One acts in full awareness when defecating and urinating. One acts in full awareness when walking, standing, sitting, falling asleep, waking up, talking, and keeping silent. Probably if the Buddha was alive today, he'd say, if you add a few things, like full awareness when you're driving, or full awareness when you're using your phone. You know, some of the common activities we do. And here it's uh, engaging in the world, and very simple activities that we all do. And, um, but to do it not just with a general awareness that I'm doing these things, but the, the, it's a little heightened... Uh, where there's a clear recognition, a clear understanding, clear comprehension that this is I'm really I'm doing this now. <clears throat> and one of the ways this was trained uh, in us when I was in Burma was that uh, we would do things in the monastery uh, in that context slowly. And so when you were going to open a door, uh, you would actually be so attentive that you would know that you were lifting your hand up and touching the door. You would clearly know that. And it wasn't a, a subconscious act. It wasn't a kind of, a, you, know, you know, automatic pilot act to, to reach out and hold the door and op- you know, open the door. It was, um, uh, you know, because you have important things to do. The door is just an obstacle, right? So just you know, get it out of the way as quickly as you can and move on to important things. <clears throat> but the opening of the door became the full meditation practice, those few instances. And you would just really feel and be present for that, for that opening the door. And, um, and, uh, and as if there's no hurry, you're not trying to finish it, you're not trying to get through the door. At that moment, you're only opening the door 
and you're fully present for that experience, knowing what that is. Again, this is a way of interrupting the thought streams of mind, which are often keeping us distracted from ourselves. We're not really present, and mind is rushing off. You might have important things to think about and do, and it might seem like it's the hindrance to stop and really be present for the door. But um, the, the ability to develop a heightened sense of really being alive and present, and in living kind of awareness and presence, that can take in so much more of the information, can take in so much more of the living situation we're in, uh, I think everyone benefits than if we're kind of living on automatic pilot and most of the things we do and we're, you know, thinking about something abstract or something distant or what we want or something. So again, mindfulness is not meant to be so difficult. It's, it can be practiced and cultivated in the ordinary daily detail activities of everyday life. And um, it's very interesting to look as one of the fascinating things to pay attention to is um, all the thoughts and ideas that you have that these simple exercises are not enough or there are more important things to do or it can't be that simple. There has to be more going on or something. And part of the value of being mindful for very simple things is it can sometimes uh, highlight to us all the centrifugal forces that take us away from that. So it might, be, it might be that we notice how much we're distracted, how much we're thinking about you know, particular themes. And so there's a reference point to catch ourselves because if we don't have a reference point to notice what's going on, uh, it's, I think it's very easy for people to spend hours involved in thought without really understanding what's going on. When we, people do this on retreat, where people are practicing mindfulness throughout the day, for some people it's only then that they see how repetitive certain thoughts and emotions are. Because in daily life, somehow we're not tracking it that well. And, uh, and it's not uncommon for people to c- come to talk to a teacher and say, I had no idea how pervasive my fear is. There's always fear there in the background, always these kind of ideas. I had no idea. Now I see it's always there, but, but because of the kind of heightened attention to what's going on, we see this much more clearly. The, um, um, so the simple act of knowing what we're doing when we're doing it, in the simple activities of daily life, builds some kind of momentum, builds a kind of habit of being present. And hopefully, an appreciation of being, pre- of, uh, being present. And in order to do that, in order to really get the benefit or really feel appreciation, so you want to do it, it's not just an, a, a duty, an exercise by itself. Uh, one of the little tricks of the trade, one of the things that's very useful, is to spend some time when you're in the present moment doing the simple things, to notice the pleasure of it. Notice the enjoyment of it. And so it might be, uh, sounds silly maybe, but you're opening the door and you feel the pleasure of the smoothness, the coolness or the whatever of the handle of the door. Or you, uh, or you uh, open the door 
and you feel, uh, you know, the pleasantness of looking through the door and seeing the colors of the room you're walking into. Or more valuable is that there's a lot of pleasure in our bodies that um, we often don't pay attention to. Uh, sometimes we prioritize what's uncomfortable in our lives. Sometimes we're just simply not giving much attention to our body at all. But if you can use this pl- present moment at awareness, when you're standing, know that, know that you're standing. And as you're standing there, is there anything that's pleasant in this standing? Even if there's some pain and, or aching involved, is there something uh, pleasant and enjoyable about just being there? Is there when you're eating... Uh, is there something enjoyable about the food? Drinking, something enjoyable about it. Um, because if you can start including the enjoyment of it, the pleasure of it, it isn't just that it's hedonistic, but uh, it makes it more interesting for the mind to be in the present moment. But more important, uh, there's a certain kind of pleasure that uh, is not, uh, it's not exactly sensual pleasure, uh, that comes from the senses being stimulated, but there's a certain kind of uh, deeper and more satisfying pleasure that is the pleasure of uh, our vitality or just kind of a life or the, the nerves firing or just kind of vitality of being present here that, um, that might be very subtle uh, initially, but the, the joy or the delight of, si- of being, of just kind of, just letting the, the the energies of the body kind of course through them and be here and kind of the aliveness to be here and, and move through us. Um, and kind of tune into that and let it grow and develop is a t- wonderful antidote to the way we prioritize our, our thoughts, our judgments, our worries, our, our self-pity, our fears, and all these other things where the mind tends to go. And... Um, but is there pleasure in the simple actions that we do? So the mindfulness in the simple activities of daily life, and to do it uh, often, whenever you have the opportunity. Maybe that maybe you you would benefit from doing it more often. Um, I, you know, it could be that you're standing in line, uh, maybe in the market waiting for the for the checkout counter to be, to be free, or maybe any, any situation where you have to wait. Um, you could wait, uh, that's fine, but a waiting is a lost opportunity. Because waiting, what is waiting? Um, you know, waiting is a, is a pretty abstract idea. It means your mind is expecting something in the future, and it's not happening now, and you're evaluating that you have to be patient or you just have to wait. And if all you're doing is waiting, I mean, what is, like, it's, I don't know, it's nothing. <laughs> I think waiting is basically a waste of time. <laughs> you know, I think, I, I, I hope you have much better things to do than to wait. I mean, you could just sit, uh, you, you can, uh, you know, close your eyes and meditate. And when the thing finally starts, so it's, you know, then they'll, t- they'll tell you, you know, or, you know, you can, then you can do it, but don't just st- sit there and wait. Meditate. Or if you're standing in the grocery checkout line, don't wait to get to the front. You don't crowd the person in front of you. Um, just stand there and do standing meditation. Look, I know I'm standing. This is ridiculous. 
I'm a sophisticated person. <laughs> Just know I'm standing. But to really know you're standing, really be in the standing, see the pleasure of standing, see the vitality, really get, really drop in to just fully there. And, um, and then, you know, if uh, the people around you say, hey, it's your turn. <laughs> you know, thank you. And then you go up and, you know, you, you didn't wait. So waiting is a, you know, it's, if, if you spend too much, you can, you can kind of conventionally wait, just say I'm waiting and then meditate or do something. But, um, but if you're caught up in waiting, and you're, t- you know, playing with your fingers, tapping your fingers, and looking at your watch, and, you, you know, you're just wasting your time. No waiting. So there could be in the simple moments of the day, throughout the day, there's probably maybe lots of opportunities to drop in and be present for yourself in a simple, very ordinary way. And, um, and my hope that over time, you'll come to really appreciate the power of that, the value of that, uh, how it really supports uh, a, a, um, a much more greater sense of well-being, greater wisdom, greater self-understanding, greater ease as we go through our lives. And it starts with these simple things. Walking, standing, sitting, lying down, your posture, moving your arm forward, bending it, drinking, eating, defecating, urinating. There's pleasures there too. So, um, so those are, now, now we've covered the first three exercises. And, and one of the purposes of all these exercises is to establish sati. Sati is the word for awareness. To develop it and, and heighten it so that your awareness becomes a living um, presence in your life, that awareness becomes something that is uh, uh, really um, uh, receives or holds or opens to what is going on for us in our lives. Awareness is one of the great things. And these simple exercises are a way to heighten that awareness and develop it. So that's probably enough for me for this evening. So do you have any questions or comments you'd like to make about any of this? or testimonials about how the simple act of mindfulness can be helpful. I turned on the wrong one and now it works. It's a real simple question. It's easy to talk about this when you feel okay? Yeah, it's really easy to talk about it. That's why my job is easy. <laughs> it's doing it, which is, you know. When you uh, have the flu. Yeah. You know, a lot of pain. Yeah. You're in ER. Yeah. You're worried about what are you going to make it, what's happening to your kids. Yeah. Then how do you 
deal with all this and make it. Well, it helps a lot if um, you're fully no, if you learn if you've learned if you de- trained yourself to know yourself well. You're familiar with the process and develop skill in how to be present for what's happening. Then you can learn to be present for the worry in such a way the worry doesn't have the upper hand. Seems like that's a lot harder. Than Sorry. It sounds. <laughs> say it again. It's easy to say that. It's a lot harder. Yes, but it takes a while. That's why we have to that, doing this over and over again. The mindfulness and the practice. Uh, if you wait to practice until you have a crisis, you're not going to have much support for yourself. Yes, but practicing in peace is Sorry? different than practicing under a lot of tension. If you wait to be mindful and, uh, when there's a big crisis, then you might not have the strength of mind to be present. You might not understand how you react to challenges. You might not understand how not to buy into the reactions, how to be swept away by them. And so uh, practicing in times when uh, pre-crisis and developing a self-understanding that will support you through it is really uh, important. Does that address your concern or is that not quite to the point? My question is, let's assume you do all that practice. Yeah. And when you're around here, you're in pretty good touch. Does that mean it's directly useful and the other kinds of practice won't help you feel better when you're in a crisis? It seems like there's crisis management that's different than just daily management. Hmm. I think it's just a variation of the same. I think that uh, it's maybe more intense, but uh, it's the same mind, it's the same kind of reactions that we have. Uh, it's just more stronger, and so the attachment, the the drive, the the concerns are much more powerful. The emotions can be more powerful, um, and but I think it's all the human human condition. It's not that much different, uh, though sometimes. Um, 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 Sometimes uh, what I've seen is that some people, when there's crisis, um, uh, maybe because adrenaline goes or because there's so, so much more important, that um, their uh, mindfulness gets attention becomes much more acute, and it supports them uh, much more. They can never have imagined how much they learned, how much they're present, how much they're able to step beyond themselves, uh, because they have they've developed a little bit of sense of what it takes, and then it all gets channeled in in a very powerful way and. They can stay very present in the middle of it. We had, uh, I'm teaching a retreat right now, and um, we had a person at the retreat uh, in the middle of one of the sittings um, faint and uh, fell over and looked like maybe was having a seizure. And, um, and so there were, luckily we had some doctors and nurses there and we attended to him and, and uh, he went to the hospital to get checked out and he's fine. But um, later we talked about the other retreatants and some of them talked about uh, what a remarkable experience it was for them uh, to stay calm and equanimous uh, in the middle of this crisis because they knew they couldn't do anything about it. It wasn't their job. There were 40 people there, right? And there were people taking care of them. So we had a room and so people, they hadn't had that experience of staying calm and settled in their life in the, in the middle of a crisis. Usually they were running around and trying to take care of it. And that was, uh, you know, a real learning experience uh, because if they, everyone had run around, would have had real crisis. And um, so I think, I, you know, I would say that this practice that we're doing here was designed to address some of the biggest challenges of our life. 
this is not meant just to be a stress reduction. This is meant to uh, deal with issues like sickness, old age, and death. Real, 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 real important issues. But you can't expect it to uh, do too much for you if you haven't um, uh, trained and developed the capacity. Just wait for the crisis, it's not going to work. So, so one more here. So one of the things you mentioned was um, the energy being more free when you're more aware of the breath, um, or when you're more aware, then the mind is not taking as of energy. So I was just wanting to understand a little bit more from you on what you feel the relationship is between the mind, the body, the awareness, and the breath, like all these, like how do they kind of... Um, impact each other Mind, work awareness, body and breath. Uh, we don't have to separate them from each other. Hmm. They're, all, they're all a whole, they work together. And so when they're harmonized, when they work together, uh, or say it differently, that uh, when the mind creates very sharp separation or holds on to some things more than other things, then it creates, uh, then uh, there's not a, f- a flow between them. They're not working harmoniously together. And um, so if we're preoccupied with our thoughts, then we're kind of locked, sometimes locked in our thoughts, and there's less attention uh, and less connection to our body and our breath. If we're locked into parts of our body, say we're having some kind of pain, and we're really worried about it, preoccupied it, we can lock in, and then in that lockness, in that kind of contract, contraction around it, um, there's not a lot of... Uh, uh, movement or in, or flow of energy or blood or nerve, I don't know what goes on in there, and where it all kind of works together. Mm-hmm. But I think the psychophysical being is a whole. And uh, as we begin to relax and not create boundaries or have an awareness which is open to it all, then it all can kind of flow. Uh, see, awareness is a, the cultivation of awareness is a phenomenal thing because it's kind of like making space or um, tying together, bringing together, unifying uh, all the different parts of our being so they're operating together in harmony. And in fact, one of the words for one of the kind of understandings of concentration, concentrated awareness, is it's a unified awareness. And this idea of being unified, so our thoughts, our emotions, our body sensations, our intentions, our feelings, you know, all these things that we have are working together rather than cross purposes to each other or fragmented from each other, is one of the things that can happen when we have the awareness that holds it all and has space for it. Uh, I don't know what a good analogy would be in ordinary life, but um, um, it, uh, what comes to mind at the moment, I don't know if it's a good example, but back when my, my uh, son was in preschool, um, it was uh, remarkable to watch these great, wonderful teachers. They were like my heroes. The great, great profession, preschool people, underappreciated, I think, for how important they are. And, um, and but uh, I'd, sometimes I'd, I'd be there in the classroom and it would be all chaos. You know, the kids are running around doing all kinds of stuff. And then, uh, but something different had to happen. So uh, sometimes I'd watch the teacher stand right in the middle of the room, upright, and then uh, just talk very, very softly, 
So you, no one could really hear. <laughs> and then you'd watch the kids notice and get curious. And all the kids would start settling down and eventually sat down and, and face and look towards the teacher. They all got unified. There was something about the, the teacher holding the presence, hold, being centered, and, that, uh, and kind of maybe having a span of all everyone that brought everyone together into harmony and peace. So the same thing with our whole being. And so the mindfulness is a little bit like that. Mindfulness is the quiet whisper that says, here, let's pay attention to what's here. And then all the things that then show themselves to us. They, our whole, all the different aspects of our life have a chance to show themselves and wake up and be present. And then they have a chance to come into harmony. It's a, when you're standing, know you're standing. And then all this other stuff can happen. Okay, so um, I'll plan is to continue this series next week. Um, And actually next week there's more about the body and going deeper into the body and our experience. So I hope that uh, this is something you find useful. Thank you.